And I think one of the most sweetest testimonies I've gotten lately is testimonies of, I, I get it, Pastor. I'm, I got it. I, 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 I grasp it. It dawned on me. I'm understanding what a wonderful thing that is. And uh, so let's continue with that tonight. Uh, as the Lord would help us, we've been talking about the steps to answered prayer. Uh, really, I'll just uh, give Brother Hagin some, some more credit. I'm taking these seven steps right out of his material. And I had it on my heart to preach it and teach it to you. I've been having a good time with it myself. And so just quickly to review, remember step number one. Now, again, we're not talking about all types of prayer. We're talking about one specific type of prayer called the prayer of faith. Now, the prayer of faith, you can employ the prayer of faith for others, but it's not maybe guaranteed to work for others unless they, at least that other person, uh, gives you access you know, because you could pray the prayer of faith and they could persist in doubt and unbelief and undo your faith. Amen. Because no one's going to matter more to a person's miracle or answered prayer than the person right. you're praying for. Isn't that right? No one matters to what God can do in my life other than me. Right? Not the devil. Not my wife. You know, it's frustrating to watch what's going on with our society. Oh, so much. Still, after all this so-called progress, the race baiting and the gender baiting and the, you know, the, you know, the, uh, the get the rich and get the poor and uh, get the businesses and get the, you know, get the, it's just such a mess out there. Listen, nobody, nothing can stop the outcome of your blessed and victorious destiny but you. Not the devil, no demon in hell. I mean, if Satan decided, you know, I'm redirecting 50% of my entire demonic horde to stop Jim Stubblefield's blessing, they couldn't unless Jim cooperated. I don't know that Jim's going to cooperate. Amen? Praise God. I don't care the chief general Satan himself shows up in your bedroom, brother. If you don't cooperate with him, yield to him, if you exercise your authority over him, he's going to run like a whipped puppy. He is a defeated foe. So we have got to throw, well, pastor, you don't know what I've been through. Listen, oh, help me, Father. If, if that was going to get you anywhere, I'd let you go on with that. But it's not. It's not going to lead to any victory. It's not, going to lead, it's not going to lead you into a healthier mental and emotional state. The quicker you can get out of that mess of self-pity and grief and depression, sorrow, worry and anxiety, the better off you're going to be. Amen. I mean, every, every minute, every second we spend worrying, that's a wasted second. Wasted moment in life. Not going to get that back. Amen. So in, but we want to be good in, uh, and very skillful in praying the prayer of faith. Because that is how we're going to appropriate the promises of God. Lift them off the pages of the Bible and get them into our daily experience. You understand that? Your faith is the currency you use to transact business with heaven. And without faith, you can't please God. Without faith, you can't be healed. Without faith, you can't get your needs met. Right? Without faith, you're not going to be able to overcome the strategies of the devil and the opposition. You're just not. Amen? 
And uh, so praise God. So these steps, just to review quick. Number one was decide specifically, definitely what you want from God. And find scriptures that promise you what you're wanting God to do for you. Amen. That, that step's vitally important. The first step to answered prayer is not pray. I'll say that again. The first step to answered prayer is not pray. It is study. Find out what belongs to you. And feed those promises, not just into your head, but into your heart. You want those promises to become an inner part of your daily reality. A, a, an inner part of your, your very consciousness, your very being. You know, I've fed on certain Bible truths so much you can't separate me from them anymore. They are a part of me like my liver's a part of me. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, you can mentally assent or give mental agreement to a Bible truth and that won't get the job done. You can mentally agree that Jesus paid the price for your healing and never be healed. Because you don't conduct faith with your mind. Faith is a force that flows out of your spirit. Amen? So again, number one, you need to decide what you want from God and then make sure it's in the Bible. Make sure that you have scriptures that will substantiate what you're wanting God to do for you. Hallelujah. Number two, you are then to ask the Father in the name of Jesus. Don't ask the Holy Spirit to pay your bills. That's not His role. He's the manifester, but He's not the one that grants requests in heaven. The instruction of the Gospels is, ask the Father in the name of Jesus. And whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, I will give it you or He will do it. You might think that's Parson Harris, but listen, the closer you will order your prayer life to the Word of God, amen, when your prayer life gets scriptural, that's when it produces results. If your prayer life is not producing supernatural results, that that's because it's not sufficiently scriptural. Which goes back to what do I do then? Study. Find out. Amen. Don't be ignorant. Praise God. Which means just don't, don't live your life not knowing. Amen. Find out. All right. Number three is then once you've, well, number, let me go back to number two. You ask the Father in the name of Jesus, and this is very important, you believe you receive it at the time that you pray it. Amen. Uh, you shouldn't take step number two unless you are prepared with your heart to believe that God from heaven said yes and amen. And that that thing you asked God for became yours right then because He said yes. Not because it's manifest in the natural realm, because... You know God said yes. Now will God say yes? Keep your finger here, but flip back a few pages to 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. Hallelujah. I've been having this verse floating around in this series for a while. I'm going to finally get to it. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. <clears throat> Love this verse. If you don't have this verse highlighted, I think it's one worthy of coloring. Or underlining or circling or however you do it. Verse number 20, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says for 50% of the promises of God. Oh no, that's not right. Is it higher or lower than that? Oh, it says all, doesn't it? A-L-L. 
Notice what this is. For all, all the promises of God in Him or in Christ are maybe and sometimes depends. No, it says are yea or yes and in Him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Oh, don't you love that verse? How many of the promises of God does God say yes to? All of the promises of God for those who are in Christ. Are you in Christ tonight? Come on, praise God. If you're born again, you're one with Him, you're in Christ, you're a joint heir with Jesus. Every single one of the promises of God in Him are yes and amen. God too. God says amen too. Hallelujah. You know what the word amen means? It means so be it. So see, in your mind's eye when you pray, uh, let's say you're praying for a block of finances or whatever it is you're praying for, you know that for your prayer to be answered, you must believe you receive it, or you must believe it, it becomes yours or granted to you at the time you pray. Well, see, this is where God, this is why and a great time for you to use your God-given imagination. Picture yourself before the throne, not a beggar and a pauper, a son. You didn't crawl in on your hands and knees. You walked in, not arrogantly, but boldly like the Bible says. And you've come and the father says, hi son, hi daughter, what's, what's going on? Father, I've come because I found a promise. And you promised me that if I would give, that it would, and you might quote the statute. Father, I brought it, it says right here in Luke 6, 38. That if I give, it would be given unto me, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Would you cause men or people on the earth to give into my bosom, my life? Then, Father, I found another scripture in Philippians 4.19. And God, God's not going to say, I know what I wrote it. He's like, yeah, quote it to me. Quote it to me. Isaiah said, bring me, God said, bring me in remembrance. Put me in remembrance of my word. I learned this in the Conquer series listening to Dr. Roberts. He said about Hebrews 4.12, you know, talking about the Bible is a living thing, quick and powerful, like a two-edged sword. That word two-edged means in the Greek, the word two-edged means double-mouthed double-mouthed or two-mouthed. In other words, the Word of God is like this. God spoke it. Now turn the edge over. It's your turn. Speak it back. God put the first edge on the sword. You put the second edge on the sword. He spoke it so that you could know it and speak it back to Him. And when you do, you just cut the devil, cut the, cut the circumstance. I like that. Praise God. Woo! Hallelujah. Double mouth, two mouths. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so you said, Father, you said you'd meet all my needs according to your riches and glory. See, and you're, you're praying here. You might be in your living room or in your car, and if you're in your car, keep your eyes open. Right? But use your imagination and your standing there, and then you present your need or your request to God. You say, now, Father, I've acted on the word give. And I have made myself a lifestyle for some time now of giving. And I know I've got a checking account up here. 
with money in it. And you said, I have this need and tell him what the need is. So, you know, I got an unexpected tax bill and I owe X amount. If you said you'd meet my need, Father, I ask you for $550, whatever it is. And I ask you for it in the name of Jesus. But you're not done. Now, I want to let you know in your presence that I believe that I receive it. Right? Because those, those are promises. What's God's answer? Can we? Well, you never know what God's going to say. He already, all the promises of God are yes and amen. So you got to, with your mind's eye, with the eye of your spirit, hear the creator of the universe, your heavenly father, say from his seated position on the throne, as the owner of the earth and the cattle on a thousand hills, the glory is his and the gold too. Yes, it is done. It is yours. Amen. Have a great day. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now see, is God asking too much of us? Because some people say, I just can't believe until the money shows up. Listen, come on, you can too. If you just put yourself at the throne and you hear the Father say, of course, sweetie, that's exactly right. It shall be. And if see, now you believe because you've got His word for it, that it is now mine. Now you open your eyes. You leave that place of your imagination. You're back here in this realm. Nothing's changed that your five senses could tell you. But see, now you know. You have something you didn't have a few minutes before. You have it. Going through, that is step number two. Once you've done step number two, now you've entered into a whole other phase of the prayer of faith that we call the standing phase. Because you don't know how God's going to do it. That's not your job. People stumble over how. Why would you stumble over the how? That's not your job. He may involve you, he may not. If he's going to involve you, he'll talk to you. That's why you ought to continue to have your eye inclined to him, listening for any instructions. Because he might say, you know, up in the fourth box on the third row back in your attic, you have something you'll never touch that's worth $550. Go put it on eBay. Are, are you with me here? Yes, and see, now he's answered it. But if he doesn't speak to you, then he's not going to involve you more than you just using your faith for it. How he does it is not your responsibility. Leave that alone. You have your part in this. Just focus on that part. But the first step or step number three that's in the standing phase and step, uh, really, uh, three and four have everything to do with your mind now. Because the enemy is going to try to get you to undo what you just did at the throne. Because that's the only way he can keep it from coming to pass. Yeah, but the doctor said, the doctor doesn't have the power to keep it from coming to pass. But the power of that can cancer doesn't have the power to keep it from coming to pass. But my boss, your boss doesn't have the power to keep it from coming to pass. But my spouse, your spouse doesn't have the power to keep it from coming to pass. Only you now have the power, the authority 
to keep that thing from coming to pass. So now you are on the devil's radar. Amen. And so we told you step number three was be relentlessly positive in your thinking. Yeah, and then number four was guard and defend your mind from doubt and fear. You cannot allow, not for a moment, any image, imagination, thought, feeling, vision, dream, impression that does not validate or upgird and support your faith that you have what you ask God for to exist in your mind. And the longer you let it exist there, the closer you are to undoing what you did. Amen. You must guard your mind. You must defend your mind. Go back to Philippians 4 now. That's why I had you there. Hallelujah. This is where the battle of answered prayer or not is really fought primarily and won or lost. Amen. Praise God. Prayers can be aborted. And many are. Hallelujah. Verse number 6, Philippians 4, 6, Paul says, Be careful for nothing. Now that's really blind to us, that King James language. He's really saying, Be anxious for nothing. Don't be worried about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God. The peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep, that means guard, your heart, your spirit, and your mind through Christ Jesus. Now, do you see here that Paul is telling us, and this is in connection with prayer, because prayer's in that verse. He said, don't mix praying with being anxious, being worried, being fearful, being overly concerned about things. In other words, don't mix these things into your stand of faith. Amen. See, faith is not the problem. It's what you mix with it that messes things up. Amen. Faith works every time if you keep it pure, if you keep it concentrated. But you begin to dilute it and put contaminants in it. It's not going to be faith anymore. Hallelujah. So he's telling us how to guard. Notice he said the peace of God will set up a guard or a garrison about both your spirit and your mind. But it only happens after you refuse to be anxious. You'll leave prayer and you'll go back to work. That You had that wonderful moment at the throne. You believed you received it. And then now you got your mind on the activity of the day. And all of a sudden the first assault of the enemy lands on your mind. You know that deadline's coming. How's he going to get that money to you? You're not a preacher, you know, that people hand money to. That works for preachers, but that doesn't work for churchgoers. That whole Luke 6.38 thing. You don't know anybody that's working for it anyway. Why do you think it's going to work for you? Besides that, remember that sin you committed yesterday? Amen. And see, now the battle's on. And you have to recognize, uh, 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 uh. I'm not falling for that. And then employ what Pastor Nancy's taught us about answer that specifically. Answer that specifically. 
Then go on in verse 8. He says, finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, circle that word true, whatsoever things are honest, circle that word honest, whatsoever things are just, you get the point, right? Just. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue or power or good character, and if there be any praise attached to that thought, think on these things. Now, if it doesn't fit that description, the thought that comes, you're not supposed to think it. If the thought's not true, you're not supposed to think it. It might be a fact that you had a bad report from the doctor. That you, you know, it might be a fact that your joint's bone on bone. That's not true, though. What do you mean it's not true? It's not true. It's a fact, but it's not true. Pastor, how come it's not true? I mean, I saw the, I saw the CAT scan. Well, the Bible says in uh, John 17, 17, that thy word is truth. The word of God is what's true. Though I said the Word of God is what's true. Amen. Not what the CAT scan showed. Not what the x-ray showed. Not what the doctor said. Not what your... Those are facts. And God said about the truth, let God be true and every man a liar. Now don't say, you're lying, doc. Don't do that. Don't do that kind of stuff. He's, you're there to hear Him give you facts. You get in the hallway or your car or your home, your private, and then you, you wield truth to change the facts the doctor gave you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And they surely will. No, so it's not true that your knee is bone on bone. What's true is that God uh, causes my youth to be renewed like the eagles. Amen. What's true is Jeremiah thirty seventeen that he restores health unto me and heals me of all my wounds. Amen. What's true is that Jesus bore my sickness and He carried my pains. And if He carried them, there's no need me carrying them. It's like the lady that was uh, written about in World War II over there in England. And uh, during the uh, Blitzkrieg, the Germans had come over with their bombs and their airplanes bombing London and England you know, during that time. And they were all instructed by the government uh, during the, when the bomb, when the sirens went off that they were supposed to go and get in the bomb shelter, their local bomb shelter. And this lady had done that, you know, time after time after time. But then suddenly she, the sirens went and she didn't show up. About four days uh, that happened, she didn't come and people began, uh, began to be, you know, concerned about her. Thinking, well, maybe, maybe a bomb has fallen on her apartment. Maybe she's been killed. Maybe she's at a hospital. Maybe, maybe she left uh, for safety out in the countryside. But then somebody saw her on the street and said, Well, my God, it's great to see you. I'm glad you're okay. Where have you been? He said, I've been at home. What do you mean you've been at home? I've been at home. Well, the siren's been going off every night. You're supposed to come to the bomb shelter. She said, Well, I was in my Bible. And I read in the Bible where God neither sleeps nor slumbers. And she said, I read that and I figured, well, there's no need in both of us being awake. She just laid there and went to sleep while the bombs were falling. 
And God's protecting her. And you know, the Bible says that. I mean, if God's awake watching over everything, there's no need in both of us being awake. Well, I, I relate that to healing. If Jesus bore my sickness, and if Jesus carried my pains, no need in bear, both of us bearing it. And since He already bore it, well, then I might as well not have it then. See, this is what faith knows, and this is what faith does. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Okay, I'm going to at least give you step number five. Step number five is uh, meditate constantly on the promise of God. Meditate constantly on the promise of God. Is it coming back? Okay, it's coming back. Praise God. So step number five was meditate constantly on the promise of God. You see, you're not done with those scriptures that you used in the throne room. When you leave the throne room, again, like I said before, they become a sword in your hand. You must be prepared to use those promises against demons and the devil amen. who would want to rob you, amen, of what you have obtained in prayer. Amen. This is another way that you guard your mind. You stay away from the negative thing. And, and then, but God never tells you just don't do this. He always gives you, do this. So there's a don't in the word, but then there's always a positive do in the word. And what you want to positively do as you stay away from and guard against every negative thought, you don't want your brain to just be an empty void. Right? You want to fill that with the promise of God. You want to keep that before you. Amen. So for instance, we have Joshua 1 and 8, right? We're familiar with that verse. Joshua 1 and 8, praise God. Joshua 1 and 8, of course, says that this book of the law, that's what they called it back then. Of course, we would call it the Word of God today. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. He didn't say you shall meditate it on Sunday morning for a few hours at church. He said you shall meditate on it day and night, during the daytime, during the nighttime. You know what that means? That means when the sun is up and when the sun is not up, you are to meditate day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in that word so that then, it says then, you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So Joshua's the brand new leader. Uh, how'd you like to step into Moses' shoes and, and be tasked of taking uh, the children of Israel where Moses couldn't take them? And God said, the way you're going to do it is to walk around like this. You conduct your business like this constantly meditating in the Word of God day and night. Now listen, this is the secret habit of all spiritual giants, meditation. You want to be a spiritual giant? You don't have to be a preacher to be a spiritual giant. 
Come on. The secret of every spiritual giant you read about in the Bible and the ones we have in, in modern history and on the earth today, their secret is practicing. They, they put it into practice, Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you will meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein for then. Not until then, right? Not until then, but then you're going to make your way prosperous, and then you're going to have great success. You're going to have good success. David said, now was David a spiritual giant? Absolutely. David's a spiritual giant, biblical hero. will rule with Jesus, right, on the throne of Jerusalem, Forever and ever. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, uh, Psalm 119, verse 97 says, Oh, Lord, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. How'd this little ruddy, curly-headed sheep, right, herder, kill a nine-foot battle-hardened warrior? Tank, living tanked up on the word. He was so full of the Word, so his vision so full of the Word, he forgot his own skinniness. He got, so, he got so captivated with the promise of God and the Word of God and the ability of God, he lost sight of his own inexperience in battle. He didn't even think to get scared. You know, sometimes... You know, one of the greatest things faith does, it just doesn't look. So, right? There are things in my life at times, I just ain't going to look at that. Because that's not going to build my faith. That's going to make me scared. That's going to make me worried. That's going to make me anxious. And nobody said I had to look at it. So I'm just not going to look at it. Now listen, if you're going to apply that to your finances, you're going to have to look at it long enough to do everything you can to pay your bills. And then, after that, don't look at it. Look at the Word. Come on. This is, what is the spiritual ingredient, the, right? The secret ingredient of all spiritual giants? Meditation. Meditation. Not Eastern meditation. Eastern meditation is demonic. The goal of Eastern meditation is to empty yourself, playing right into the hands of the devil because there, no, there is no such thing as avoiding the spirit. It's going to be occupied. The devil, wherever you empty yourself out, the devil will take that spot. The goal of biblical meditation is to fill yourself with God's word. Fill yourself with God's promise. So much so that, you know, uh, the bill is not what you expected at the grocery store, and the clerk gives you the number, and you go, glory to God. Oh, sorry. Or you don't go, sorry. You just go, glory to God. Amen. You, you begin to make people mad, right? You begin to make people a little uncomfortable. Like, oh, you've been hanging out at World Harvest too much. No, you've been in the Word, and it's beginning to have its way with you. You know, the same Three or four doctors that told young brother Hagen that you have to die thought he was losing his mind on the Bible. 
lose his mind on the Bible? He got healed. So again, so meditation is to take the promise of God and to mutter that, to softly repeat that promise to yourself over and over, over and over, over and over and over again. Right? So he has forgiven all my iniquities and he has healed all my diseases. Right? And you're going down a got your basket and going down lows and you're just thinking about that. You're not thinking about the mistakes you made. You're not thinking about the doctor's report. You're not thinking about uh, the mortality rate of that disease. And I'm going to stand right in front of my wife here and say something that will help her. In, but really, I'm not talking to her, uh, wink, wink. I'm talking to people like, you know, like her who have research tendencies. No, but your your inclination, it's a positive thing. If if something comes up, she's in a few days, she's going to know everything there is to know about it. You might as well, she's written a thesis about it in her head. She's read every material. She's studied every author. You might as well give her a PhD on that subject right now. She is an expert on it now. If you're kind of inclined in your person, Tamara, to be kind of like that, when, a te- when, you, when you face a spiritual battle, a sickness or a disease, you, the first thing you don't want to do is go to WebMD or Wikipedia. That's not where you want to be hanging out, meditating. Oh, but honey, I, I looked up last night and I found out this is what you... That's not where you need to be. All of that research energy... Needs to go right there. It needs to go. This is where you need to research. Yeah, but you know the doctor, he's a, he's a world-renowned specialist. You know what? Jehovah Rapha is kind of a world-renowned specialist in his field. He is the great physician. It's amazing nobody wants to do research here. But this is where the this is where you want to set your eye. This is where you want to set your focus. This is what you want to talk about. This is what you want to think about. So to meditate means to put that promise in your mouth and quietly speak it to yourself over and over, over and over, over and over, over and over and over and over and over and over. It means to imagine. It means to put yourself in that scripture. See, that's such a powerful thing. See, step five is meditate on the promise of God, and that's, that's going to include continue to see yourself with what you ask God for. See yourself with it. That means no one's planning a funeral, picking out caskets. Now, I mean, if you want to do that when you're ultra healthy and you're not going through a test and, you know, you just want to be, you know, good steward and nobody have all that done, fine. But don't do it when you're in the battle. Don't do it then. Amen. See yourself counting that money. See yourself paying that bill. See yourself. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's step number five. Step number six. 
we'll have to talk about quite a bit more, I think. But step number six is give yourself to constant praise and thanksgiving. You see, if you succeeded with step number two and you believe, praise God, you heard the Father say, yes, sweetheart, it is yours, it is so, amen, it is done. What's, what's, the, what's the most natural response should come after that? Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You know, I was tempted to be concerned about that, Father. I'm so glad to hear you say yes on that. Praise God. Thank you for being such a good Father. Thank you, Father. You're just so great. I appreciate it. You know, I was, I was tempted. You know, without you, Father, I don't know what I would have to do to get that need met to pay that bill. But you're just so, thank you, Father. We're not going to go back there. I'm, I'm getting ready to shut it down. But again, back in Philippians 4, 6, he said, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving... Continue to let your wants be made known unto God. Colossians 4.2 is such a key to the prayer life. It says continue earnestly in prayer with thanksgiving. So see, yes, we, we ask God once for the th- in the prayer of faith. You don't ask God over and over. You don't get up and ask God for that again. You don't show up in the, in the throne room and ask Him for that 550 again every time. No, because that would be bad taste. That would, that would be doubt and unbelief. That would be demonstrating you didn't believe what that you didn't believe him when he said yes the first time. In other words, Wigglesworth, Smith Wigglesworth made this statement about the prayer of faith. He said, if you ask God seven times for any one thing, you ask six times too many. If you ask God seven times for any one thing, you've asked God six times too many. But the Bible does teach that we are to continue in prayer. We're not supposed to just forget it. Well, how then do we pray? Well, you don't ask him again. But what you do is you say, Father, I've come to hang out with you. How are you doing today? Glory to God. Hey, and oh, by the way, thank you for yesterday. Thank you that yesterday at 4.12 p.m. you granted me $550. And I just want to remind you that you said you would. That's what my kids do. They may ask me. If I say yes, they're going to remind me. They're going to remind the heck out of me. They are going to remind. They are going to, especially the bigger it is and the more important it is to them, the more reminding they are going to do. Listen, learn from a five-year-old. Learn from a seven-year-old. Learn from a nine-year-old how to receive something from God. Now, Father... Don't forget. I know you got a lot on your plate. You know, the whole world thing. Seven billion people stuff. I know your inbox must be ridiculous, especially with the spam that comes into God. But, Father, I've just come, praise God, to thank you, to let you know Despite what I see or feel, I know I have it because I have your promise. I know I'm healed, and I want to thank you for it. 
I know that I have a brand new knee. I have a brand new shoulder. Glory to God. I'm cancer free. I'm disease free. I'm pain free. Because I was here yesterday at 4.12 p.m. And I heard you say when I quoted uh, 1 Peter 2.24, Yes, sweetie, amen, be it done unto thee according as you have requested. And I just want to thank you that I'm healed. Can I just praise you a while, Father? This is what? Step number six. Hallelujah. Such a key. Amen. If you're in faith, you're grateful. You know you've left faith if you're griping. You know you've left faith if you're worried again. Amen. Some people said, oh, forget it, Father. I'm under such pressure. I'm going to do it myself. And that's hard. And God says, all right then. Man, I had, it th- I had all things well in hand, but you go for it. Hope you don't hurt yourself too bad. <laughs> right? Sell something God wanted you to keep. Wear your body out working extra when you didn't have to. Anyway, I could say a lot about this. Are you learning some things about how to get your prayers answered? Amen. We should also be learning some things about uh, what has tripped us up in the past. You know, and that uh, really uh, the unanswered prayer that is so rampant in the church today, this ought to be shining the light on some things that that's not God's fault. It's, and it's not God saying no. It's, it's us not being skillful in, in, in the life of faith. But we're learning. Isn't that right? Amen, we're learning. Well, let's stand up tonight. Praise God. Hallelujah.